0: And I think this is really like, this is the tug we all have in our hearts that like we have these gifts from the people who came before us, the people in the church, the people in our families that have come before us and given us all these beautiful traditions and our faith and all these things. But also there's some reason like God made us for such a time as this. And so what is it that God is calling us to do today?
1: Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge your family to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. Hope you're all having a fantastic fall. And if your family is like ours, there is just so much going on this time of year. Really good stuff, but wow, it can feel like a lot. Well, today I'm going to invite you to slow down a little bit. And my guest, Sarah McKenzie, is going to be a great help in that regard. You may know Sarah from the Read Aloud Revival, which helps parents help their kids fall in love with books Y'all, this concept is so awesome. I'm just learning about the benefits of this myself, and it is amazing. If you're thinking, read aloud to my kids, why why would I need to do that when they can already read themselves? You may also be thinking, how does this help us be a strategic family? Fair questions, but stay tuned. I'm telling you, this is an awesome concept. And I won't steal her thunder, but to tease it up a bit, I'll put it this way. Reading aloud provides things for your kids that they can't get in any other way. It is an awesome way to fill your kids' heads with the things that are true, good, and beautiful. Thank you, classical education. And those are things they can share with the world and use to point people to Christ. And that, my friends, is strategic. Friendly reminder, wherever you get podcasts, it would be fantastic if you could hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. And if this podcast has been a blessing for your family and you want to help support us, check out our show notes for a link to our Patreon page. All right, on to the show. Well, Sarah McKenzie, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Graham. I am delighted to be here.
1: Excellent. So looking forward to this discussion and all that we're going to talk about today. Before we dive into the meat of our content today, could you just uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? For those who may not know you, tell us who you are, what you do for a living, and of course, all about your family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, my husband Andrew and I, we've been married for 20, almost 21 years. Is that right? Wait, or almost 22 years? Oh, yeah, it's up there. So, it's one of those. (laughs) That's terrible. I hope he doesn't hear me say that. (laughs) Um, We have six children. Our oldest two are in college, and then they kind of trickle all the way down to our nine year old identical twin boys. So we work together on a project called Read Aloud Revival, which is a podcast and an online community that helps parents do two things. Number one, it helps us help our kids fall in love with books so that most of us really want our kids to love reading. And so we're always orienting toward how do we help our kids fall in love with good literature? And number two, help moms especially, but parents fall in love with homeschooling so that we can really love and enjoy and have a lot of peace and joy around our homeschooling lives. So that's sort of our our focus at Read a Letter Revival. And we do that through, you know, curating book lists and creating podcast episodes and introducing kids to authors and all kinds of
1: good things. Perfect. Love it. Now my next question, this is not on my list of questions, but how do you do all that with six kids?
0: <laughs> well, the the husband part is very key here. Yeah. Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's amazing and he's very supportive and helpful. And so we really tag team. When I first started, actually, when I wrote my first book, which was Teaching from Rest, A Homeschooler's Guide to Unshakable Peace, I did write that when my twins, we had six kids at home from 12 to newborn, and we had three of those were one and newborn. So that's kind of wow. nuts, right? Um, <laughs> Clara was one of the twins who were newborn, but I really feel like that book was written out of my own need, really strong desire and desperation sort of to figure out if the peace that transcends all understanding that we have been promised in Christ, if mm. that is actually possible for such a life as I was living. <laughs> and mm. if it was, then how would this look? And so I was really writing to find answers for myself. Yeah. And I wrote that book in little 15 minute snatches throughout the day, whenever, I mean, I just have my computer up on my kitchen counter, or if I didn't have my computer around, it would just be like, um, a a journal and I would just write whenever I had like five minutes or something, um, just something that, you know, got laid on my heart. So that's how that book was created. And the whole, the whole project, I think sort of started in this really refining fire time of my life where I had too much going on, but also wanted to get really clear on what God's call for my life was. Now, as we're running Read Aloud Revival, sometimes people will go, oh my goodness, how do you do it all? And I always want to remind them that if someone looks like they're doing it all, then it probably means someone else is giving them a lot of help on the back end. And so I have a lot of help. I have a fabulous team at Read Aloud Revival. that really helps me there do all kinds of, you know, book list creating and reading and helps with everything that we do at Read A lot of Revival I have helped yeah. with. And then at home my husband's amazing. So he does a lot of the cooking and he does just- Now he does at least half of the homeschooling. So we are really been able to tag team, but that hasn't always been the case, but it's been one of those things that God's really blessed the work as we've kind of stepped out in faith. And then we've both had to, you know, respond to his call and do things like my husband always laughs and says, I never it well he first of all he didn't want to homeschool to begin with secondly Mm. he he never would have imagined that he would have been a teacher and so he kind of thinks that's funny that like oh yeah of course god would do this you know (laughs) yeah
1: oh that's so funny i definitely relate to that before we started homeschooling i never would have thought that i'd be a homeschooling dad but we homeschool our four and when i say we the vast majority of that is done by my wife and done so well so yes Totally echo the thankfulness for spouses. Okay, so um, let's talk about the Read Aloud Revival. Anyone who knows you will know a little bit about the Read Aloud Revival, but I'd love if you could give us some background, the whole concept. Where did it come from Mm -hmm. and how did you become so passionate about it?
0: Okay, so if we were rewind way back to when my oldest was one, I remember the moment of picking up the book by Jim Trelease called The Read Aloud Handbook. It was sitting on my friend's fireplace hearth. And I was, you know, she was making lunch and our babies were playing together. And I just happened to see this book and thought, oh, this looks interesting. In that book, Jim Trelease makes a very strong case for reading aloud as a very strong, the strongest thing you can do to set yourself, your kids up for academic success. Mm. And he painted a really beautiful picture of reading aloud. So that was the first piece of it. And I did read aloud lots of picture books to my kids when they were younger. Then fast forward some time, and now we're homeschooling three of our kids who were probably something like eight, six, and four, or something around there. And I was reading aloud to them, but I happened to hear... Andrew Puttawa's talk called Nurturing Competent Communicators. I know you've had Uh, Andrew on your show uh before, Graham. I love Andrew a good friend of mine now but at the time I'd never heard of him my friend sent me this recording of nurturing competent communicators and in this talk Andrew tells that the two things you can do to help your child become a good communicator a good writer or a good speaker is to help them or is to read aloud to them a lot and to help them memorize poetry and Andrew's a very inspiring speaker so whenever mm. he speaks you're like yes I'm all in on this <laughs> so at least that's my reaction taking
1: notes and everything yeah
0: yeah exactly so I started reading aloud a ton and I noticed that all these things that he mention would happen, like the really good vocabulary, the increased reading comprehension, better writing skills, all of these things happened. But there was something else that happened too, that I hadn't been anticipating so much. And that was that we now had like inside family jokes about the things that we were reading about. You know, we would be like on a walk in the forest and we had just read a Nancy in the moss-covered rock and the kids would start acting it out. Or mm. we would just, something would happen in our life where the kids would be like, oh, we're just like Lori Ingalls Wilder, even though we we're nothing like Lori <laughs> Ingalls Wilder, you know. <laughs> so right. it was like we had these connections and this bond. And the other thing I realized is that on our hardest days and in homeschooling, there are a lot of hard days sure. where we're having a a difficult time enjoying the presence of one another Um, reading aloud could be something that would bring us together. That didn't require a lot of virtue on my part. So like Mm. I didn't have to like (laughs) muster up a whole bunch of patience. I could be like, okay, everybody gets something to do and I could start reading Charlotte's web. And now we're all rooting for Wilbur and Charlotte. And now we're all, (laughs) uh, you know, afraid of the same villain and holding our breath together and kind of putting us on the same side of the fence. So that happened. And, I was noticing this in my family and realizing it was such a important piece of our family culture that I right. wanted to make it a central piece of what we were doing. So then Read Aloud Revival, the podcast was born out of that enthusiasm for maybe other families might want to taste a little bit of this Read Aloud goodness too and realize that. And I'm sure this comes up for a lot of people listening that when you're doing something in parenting that feels easy and enjoyable, it feels a little bit like it can't really count. Uh, (laughs) It feels like (laughs) we are skeptical. We're like, this can't really be that. Right,
1: right. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, a lot of things in parenting are sure, hard. and sure. so then we sort of feel like this can't possibly be making such a big impact.
1: Mm. but
0: it's really helpful to realize that if it's easy and enjoyable, you're probably doing it right. and also you're getting all the benefits
1: right. no matter how
0: not hard it is. yeah <laughs> and it is it is sometimes it is hard and sometimes it's not enjoyable. so we should be clear about that. Too. <laughs> sure,
1: sure. yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm so glad you brought up the family culture piece. I want to get to that in a second because I think that is just massive especially as we think about you know our the concept we have on the podcast here about being strategic families that's just a huge piece of it but before we get to that question could you make the case and like i'm already convinced but i would love for you to just convince other people but could you just make the case for like you mentioned vocabulary and you know shared stories and and that kind of thing what is it about reading aloud specifically that's different from just giving the kid a book and, you know, go to your room and, you know, read it yourself and tell me what you learned or whatever? What's different about reading aloud in a group setting?
0: Can I make the case? Yes, I can. <laughs> this is my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One of the first things to note, and this is something I learned again from Andrew Putuap, is that if we want our kids to have grammatically correct, sophisticated language patterns stored in their brain, Mm. the only way to get those in there is to read to them because we don't Mm. speak in grammatically correct language. Even when adults (laughs) are speaking to children, we're not speaking in grammatically correct language right now. (laughs) Mm. But they're not getting it from conversation. They're not getting it from social media. Goodness knows they're not getting it from TV. They're not getting it anywhere actually, except in books. And the other piece about that is that if a child is reading a book with their eyes, the better and more practiced a child gets at reading with their eyes, the faster they go. We tend to skip the small words, like the prepositions and the articles and all right. those little pieces, which is why if, I was to hand you, Graham, like the first page of Charlotte's Web and say, read it to yourself. You could read it a lot faster than I could read it to you because right. when I'm reading it to you, I have to read every word in order. Yes. And what happens then is that that complete language pattern as a whole with all of the pieces in it gets stored in our children's brain. And Andrew would say, you can't expect a child, to anything to come out of a child that you haven't put in. So yes. like putting in that good language is key. The other thing that happens, though, is this shared experience around a story. So I mentioned that when you're having a hard day and you read with your kids, it kind of puts you on the same side of the fence and helps you remember that you're for each other. You know, one of the other things we get, there's two other things that I think come up right away. One is that we're giving our kids the opportunity to bear witness to characters overcoming struggles because every story is about a character He wants or needs something and has to overcome obstacles to get it. And so when we're reading stories with our kids, we're giving them the chance to watch over and over and over again as these characters face obstacles that they don't know how they're going to defeat or like pass or deal with and have to pull virtue up in their life in order to overcome. Mm. And this is what we're giving them witness to over and over and over again. So that kind of builds this sense of fortitude but it also builds this sense of compassion and empathy because we are walking in the shoes of someone else. Um, even the people you live with in your house, you don't really know what's happening inside their minds. Most of the time, right. this is probably yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Uh, right? <laughs> but, but when you're reading a story, we actually are, we're eavesdropping on the mind or the soul of the narrator of the yeah. characters. And so we get this closer opportunity to develop empathy and compassion. So all of these things shared and talked about in the in a family, whether you're reading aloud or you're listening to an audiobook or whatever that looks like, um, in your particular read aloud experience, these are things that don't happen quite as poignantly if the reading is being done on its own and reading on its own has its own benefits. But I think we oftentimes sort of prioritize independent reading with your eyes over reading, listening to someone read aloud or shared reading which is really interesting because while most of the benefits you get from independent reading, you also get when you're listening to a, someone read aloud to you, there are also benefits you get. Like I mentioned, the complete sophisticated language patterns, the shared experience and the connection that you do that are, just reserved for reading aloud. Right. So in my home and in my homeschool, I will tend to elevate reading aloud. That feels to me more important than the independent reading time. Right. So if there's like a classic or a book, I really want to get into the soul of my child. I will make sure that one's read aloud because yeah. I know that's going to be the superior reading experience.
1: Oh, uh, that's, that's excellent. And yeah, just, I think about you know, if you just think about in the moment, what are the differences? Well, you know, all the intonations and I mean, heck, you can even do voices. Like yeah. I, I love doing voices. and Oh, you know, yeah. They're, some Me of them too. are probably really bad, but it's just it's fun. You know, <laughs> who cares? They're so fun. <laughs> yeah. You can stop in the middle and say, hey, guys, did you understand that? Which is different when you're reading by yourself or even on the audiobook. So, yeah, so many benefits. I, I love it. I hope that this read aloud revival goes far and wide. It's so, so cool. So let's segue Um, to what you mentioned about family culture. Talk to us about that a little bit. How does Reading Aloud help build that family culture? And then why is it even important to have a family culture? And what does that look like in your family?
0: Well, when I think about family culture... I really feel like it's how it's so central to how we think about ourselves. I mean, we all probably know a family that's really into sports. We had some neighbors that were really into sports and sports were like a part of their family culture. It's something they all did. They all watched together. They all went to practices and games and it was a priority for their family. And that's cool. That's not my, that does not sound appealing to me. (laughs) Um, I think God puts different desires in each of our hearts. Right. And then when we, we were married and we, like mesh up those desires of our hearts for our family, along with our spouses, it gives us this opportunity to create a kind of unique culture. That's just the right place that God wanted our kids to be raised in. So I also have a family at my homeschool co-op who they're all amazing musicians and music is a really key part of their life. And my kids also play instruments, but I wouldn't call, they all play the piano, I guess. I wouldn't call the piano central to our family culture. Sure. If any kid was like, I really don't want to do this. Well, actually my oldest son did this, did happen. Then we could drop it. But if any of my kids said, I just don't like books, I'd be like, hold the phone (laughs) because this feels different. And I think you kind of know that about your own family culture. Like what is the thing, what are some things, and it's not just one thing, you know, what are the things in your family that you feel like make you part of who you are? Um, And I wanted all of our kids to be fed by books and then to love and cherish books the same way that I felt about books. Um, or maybe not the same, but just similarly, like sure. have that yeah. similar experience, but I feel like it helps our kids know who they are and whose they are it kind of reminds them of like where they came from. Now that we've got two kids off in college and they're both on the other side of the country, we're still connecting over books. My daughter, yeah. my daughter, who's second daughter, who's a freshman at university this year has only been gone for about a week and a half. And she's already sent me two pictures of books of like bookshelves that she found that she's like, mom, look at this one in the library. This is this yeah. full of all these graphic novels. She loves graphic novels. Cool. Um, and then another one from a bookstore that she found. It's like one of those things that keeps the thread connected between you and your kids, yes. even after they're not in
1: your home. Yes. Uh, that makes perfect sense. I love that. And I can just tell your heart leaps when you get a text like that from your kid. Just like, yes, yes, she got it. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. that. Off the top of your head, are there a couple of books or like series of books that you think like, man, any family who's going to read aloud to your kids, like this needs to be at the top of your list?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Okay. So the one that comes to mind for me instantly is the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. And these feel timeless. They're Shorter than you think. So, yes. a lot of novels that are coming out today or in the last thirty years are a lot longer than each of the Chronicles of Narnia. So, they're very doable and they're timeless. You can read them again and again and again. They also come up repeatedly. When I I talk to a lot of authors uh, at Read a Lot of Revival, and when I ask them about the books that formed them, they come up. Mm so often that it would be impossible for me not to take notice um another set that's more contemporary that's been written recently that i feel like nods to the lion the witch in the wardrobe and the whole chronicles of narnia but seems to have such a like fabulous response are the green ember books by sd smith and this is a fantasy story
1: yeah my kids love those
0: Oh, do they? Excellent. Yeah. I mean, talk about stories that like cultivate virtue in the reader without being preached at. With a kid has no idea that like what they're reading has the ability to form their soul, even while it's just a like riveting story. Yeah, that's another one. And then one other. If uh, you asked me about books, and I'm please. (laughs) That's great.
1: great. Another
0: set of books that I really love that are contemporary and might be appealing for kids who aren't really into fantasy, because I do have a couple of kids who are not and I'm not a huge fantasy reader myself, Um, like The Language and The Road- Wardrobe and The Green Number are sort of exceptions to that rule for yeah, me, yeah. but are the Vanderbeekers books. And these have been written recently by Karina Yan Glazer. The first is called The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street. And it's okay. about a family living in Harlem, New York with five children. And the first book, they have this... Um, brownstone they all live in and their landlord has just told them that they have to move out. They He's not going to renew their lease, but he won't tell them why. And so the siblings all band together to kind of figure out why and also see if they can save that home for their family because they love it. Cool. But it's unique for a story today to be about siblings banding together for the good of their family. Sure. That is a unique premise that does not come up a lot. Anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> excellent. I haven't, haven't heard of that. We'll have to check that out. Thank you for those suggestions. So I'm thinking, you know, someone could be listening to this and I don't know, I would imagine a common response or thing you hear when people ask you about reading aloud is just that, well, a couple of things, it feels really old school. I mean, it feels like we turned back the clock, you know, you mentioned Laura Ingalls yeah. Wilder and it can feel a little outdated maybe. Um, maybe yeah. people feel like they don't have the time. I'm curious if you could just talk about the the challenges that you run into when you talk to people about this and then, you know, just your response to to some of those challenges.
0: Yeah. So the time thing is interesting because it's true. We all do feel like we don't have enough time to read aloud. And also it's not like you read one of these books. You don't sit down and read the green number. And then all of a sudden your kids like pop up in there behaving well and not disobeying and like (laughs) it would be fabulous if that happened but that's not how it works like much more about nurturing than planting and watering a seed that's going to turn into a Mm -hmm. tree years and years from now um but one of the gifts of reading aloud to me has been that it's one of the only things I can do that I can't multitask you know I can't really make a grocery list while I'm also reading aloud or I could try but I wouldn't do either very well right right Um, so it really makes me be present And that sends a very clear message to our kids that just being with them and sharing a story is worth our time and energy. So I think knowing that is really helpful. But one other piece for me has been, we do a lot of our reading aloud through audiobooks, And we can talk about that too, about the benefits or drawbacks of that, but it can really help, especially these days, you're probably running your kids around to sports activities, church, Bible study groups any kind of extracurricular activities, homeschool co-ops or school or grandma's house or whatever. Sure, and yeah. using that time in the car to share stories can be, it can be a way to sort of redeem that time. Yes, It also can be really helpful because if you have older kids who haven't been read too much lately and you start reading aloud to them, I can almost guarantee that they're going to go like, why are you reading to me? This is super weird. <laughs> like, I'm not a little child anymore. And so putting something on in the car is kind of a sideways way of getting in. You kind of Right, it right.
1: like yeah. putting
0: this on for me, you know? And then <laughs> if you put on the line, the witch in the wardrobe, I guarantee you everybody in that car is going to be like, wait, what happens next?
1: <laughs> yes. Uh we did that. My wife and I, well, our whole family took a trip up the East Coast and we listened to all seven books just the entire trip. That's basically all we listened to. But yeah, you're right. I love what you said, that phrase, redeem that time. I was actually thinking of the word redeem, and then you said it. That's that's brilliant. That's that's exactly, it's just so true. That does not have to be wasted time. In fact, it shouldn't be wasted time. And we can use that time to pour in, you know, these great ideas of virtue and all the things that that we love from good literature. Um, because I know this is not just about any literature, this is about good literature. And I know yeah. you're all about that. So that's great. So, what are some of the differences between, um, and you alluded to it a minute ago, but the differences between audiobook and live reading? Like, what do you see as some of the benefits or drawbacks of each?
0: Yeah, we get this question a lot at Read Aloud Revival. I, We use audiobooks a ton at my house. I would say these days, I do most of my reading aloud. Through, I'm putting that in air quotes, although nobody can see me doing that, Um, through audiobooks. So a couple of things to keep in mind. When we think about the benefits of reading aloud, a few things rise to the surface as like more important than the others. One is the grammatically correct, sophisticated language patterns. You get those with the read aloud you do with your voice. You also get those with audiobooks. Another benefit is you get this shared experience where, again, you're on the same side of the fence. You're rooting for the same characters. And that happens no matter if you're listening to an audiobook together or you're reading it aloud with your voice. And again, that whole idea of fortitude. So all these things we've mentioned before, the fortitude, sure. empathy, putting your, connecting and putting yourself on the same side, and also the really good language patterns. So all of those benefits are equal, whether it's your voice or someone else's. One thing though, I feel like we tend to do as parents is we tend to feel like, okay, so now I'm excited about reading aloud. I want to do it the best way possible. And so we make it really hard for ourselves to be successful Mm. because we're tired. And so we think, okay, by the at the end of the day, like when I'm putting them to bed, I'll read to them. I don't read to my kids at the end of the day. The last thing I want to do at 8 p.m. is <laughs> read to my children. I love their sweet faces and I do not want to see them anymore. <laughs> and so I want to kiss them and put on an audiobook and say goodnight. So I read aloud to my kids earlier in the day. And then also, um, if you're feeling like you're in a, a season, especially if you've got babies and toddlers that, I mean, how do you read aloud for 15 minutes without the toddler interrupting 14 times sure. or- if you're really tired because you're postpartum or you've got a new baby or you haven't been sleeping well, or there's been a lot going on, you're going to start reading aloud and feel like you're going to fall asleep. Mm. All of these things could be sort of averted by using an audiobook because I could turn on an audiobook and then chase my twin toddlers around. And if I needed to step out with them for a minute, change a diaper or something and come back, I could always pause the audiobook and say, okay, Filming in on what happened and now your kids are narrating and they're thinking about what they just read so or if Which I fell asleep skill. on the couch yeah exactly yeah. exactly if I fell asleep on the couch while the audiobook was going I could go oh my goodness I must have been really tired can you tell me what I missed again mm. like we don't have to make it complicated it doesn't have to look perfect. yeah now I do think I do hear people say oh but you know, I love the sound of my dad's voice or, you know, my mom's voice when she read to me when I was a child or something. And I see that. I hear that. I do think for a lot of homeschooling parents, like I know for my kids, they hear my voice all day long. Like I do not know that they need to hear my voice a little more than that. (laughs) But my husband does really enjoy reading the books a lot. So when he's reading aloud with the kids, he prefers to actually read the story. And when I was asking him about this, not too long ago, he said, Reading aloud is not something he does naturally really well. Like he has to, he, re, he usually will like skim the chapter really quickly beforehand because he has a hard time. He was dyslexic growing up and he has a hard time, like knowing where the dialogue breaks should be, what voice to put that in or how right. like a pacing or So he um he feels like when he's reading aloud about a chapter to a day, he's just better at it. It feels easier. And when he lets that slide, it's harder for him to get back into it. So for him, he's gonna choose reading aloud so he doesn't lose that, you know, rhythm. And for me, I like to, I have big piles of laundry to fold so I can listen to audiobooks with my kids while I fold laundry. I also love doing puzzles. So I will make time for reading aloud if i know i get to work on for an audiobook with my kids if i know i get to work on my puzzle and then it's just as nourishing for me as it is for my kids right. so i would say i am we are really strong encouragers at read aloud revival of using audiobooks as heavily as you as you'd like to and not feeling like it's second best remembering that those right. good language patterns and that
1: connection yeah. is key yeah. oh and you know i found this out just a couple of weeks ago we were reading the um the Robin Hood book, like from the 18, whatever, 1880s, I think. And my wife uh, started reading this to the kids and I was home one day and picked it up and started reading it. I mean, what a delight. And I don't even, I didn't get the whole story. I just got to read these little bits of it and like language, yeah. like no one uses in conversation. And so, and it was actually, it was a struggle for me to understand it sometimes and I would stop and then we'd talk about it, but you know, there's a, there's an art, and I think you talked about this in, in your episode with um, with Andrew Pudewa a long time ago. But there's an art in literature that we can easily miss if we just, you know, and, and what's the what's the plot and who are the characters? Like there is an art in just describing things and putting sentences together that we don't want to miss and we don't want our kids to miss. It's a joy. And, you know, on your point on audiobooks, I have to say my my kids. And so hopefully this will get your endorsement. But my kids are hopelessly incurably obsessed with adventures in odyssey from focus on the family oh yes i mean yes well i have one of my daughters who's nine she'll wake up in the middle of the night you know to use the restroom or whatever and put it on in the middle of the night (laughs) like what is happening right (laughs) now but yeah there's whose voice is that yeah exactly (laughs) is there someone else in the house yeah um but yeah so that's good to hear that that um the audiobooks can be really effective as as well. That's encouraging. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. And and you know, the other thing about that just reminds me is that um, you know, vocabulary, you had said reading Robin Hood was so delightful. Um, one of my favorite things is that my kids will use the best words in their normal everyday speech that they are definitely not getting from anywhere else. An example of this was just maybe two or three days ago. Um, my son was telling telling me something that confused him about his video game. My nine-year-old was talking about his video game. And he said, yeah, I mean, that really, I was really befuddled there for a minute. I was just like, you know what? Um, I know we're talking about a video game, but I feel like I just won.
1: (laughs) You're like, yeah, you're like, those two things have never been in a sentence before. Befuddled about a video (laughs) game. Exactly. Uh, That's awesome. I love, I love how the Lord gives us little like you know, encouragements along the way like that. I love it. That's, That's so right. cool. Well, I would love it, Sarah, if you could share, I'm sure a lot, you know, over the years, you've gotten stories from parents who have, you know, maybe didn't think they were equipped to do this or, or weren't sure if it was a good thing. And then they, they dove into it and they started reading aloud to their kids and then they come back and they tell you, could you share some stories like that from, from your listeners and people who follow you?
0: Okay, so I just got an email a couple of weeks ago that has me smile ear to ear every time I think about it. Um, a woman was saying that she had taken her family to Disney World and they were in line like at the roller coasters, like a theme park, right? Uh, and she knew they were going to be in lines for a while. So she had brought their read aloud and she told me what it was, but now I can't remember which book it was. So I'd have to go back and look. But she she had brought her their book and so that while they were standing in these long lines, she could read to them. And she said she'd start reading and like pretty soon all the people who were like, you know, talking around would quiet (laughs) and they'd move closer and closer. And they were like, uh, they got on this roller coaster. They get up off the end and the people were waiting for them at the end and said, what happened next? Like, what happens next? And so then they said they'd run into these people all throughout the park throughout the day who'd say, okay, well, what happens? Like, and they'd ask, where are you going next? Can we read with you a little longer? I just... Amazing, right? Like this is the power of story. Is we can't help but be drawn into it, and I wow. think this is the way God made us. He yes. He told us about Himself through story. Yes. This is how we were made, and yes. so you know it feels really natural to me that we are going to be pulled. But I love that. I love that picture of this family like reading, you know, reading at the roller coasters, and
1: <laughs> that's fantastic. I love the idea of people just turning around and being like, "What is What is happening here? Hey, wait a second. Yeah. I, I want it. I want in on this. You know." Yeah. Exactly. Uh, is, and, and yeah, and to think about what would all those people have been doing had that not happened? I mean, scrolling on some social media or something, exactly. right? With pretty Yeah, worthless bickering time. or fighting <laughs> between the siblings.
0: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh,
1: that is fantastic. What a great story. So let's talk about your new book. I know you've got a, a new book coming out, a little more beautiful. Uh, what a cool premise. Can you talk about why you wrote this book and, and the message that you're conveying through it?
0: Yes, yeah, so this is my first picture book and we have decided to start a publishing arm of Read Aloud Revival. We're calling Waxwing Books to create picture books that we feel like are timeless with beautiful illustrations and well-done text that can be shared by a wide range of ages. That's really our heart at Read Aloud Revival and at Waxwing Books. So this is our first book and it's the story of an old woman who makes the world more beautiful than she found it, which is our nod to Miss Rumphius for any of my Miss Rumphius picture book reader fans out there. And so she does all these invisible things basically you know you know feeding the cat then the village cat and and planting flowers and making the world more beautiful she goes to the city hall and she asks if she can plant a garden there and she's told no you know like your liability, basically. That's not. What in the textbook, <laughs> but that's what I envision him saying to her.
1: <laughs> Mommy, what's a liability? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that
0: doesn't actually make it into the book, but you now all know what I was thinking. Sure. Um, and so I go home. And so she, of course, really, I mean, her whole being is about making, leaving every day more beautiful than she found it. So she goes under the darkness of night, under the moonlight, and she plants this garden anyway. And the whole village is just made happier. Nobody really knows why. And then- right. Uh, halfway through the book, the woman is moved to a nursing home. And nobody has really noticed her, which is what happens a lot, I think, especially to an older generation, to traditions, to people right. who've come before us, is that we, we kind of forget what they've given us. And we forget all the beauty and the gifts that they've given us. And um, the world is slowly becoming a little bit quieter and more um, wilting, I guess. Uh-huh. And there is one little girl, though, who had noticed the woman before, and she decides she's going to set out and do take up the work of Lou Alice is the old woman's name. She's going to set out and take up the work of Lou Alice. So she starts taking over the gardens and feeding the cat. And she's just this spunky little character, but she also knows that there's something that she has to do to make the world more beautiful herself, something only she can do. Mm. And I think this is really like, this is the tug we all have in our hearts that like we have these gifts from. The people who came before us, the people in right. the church, the people in our families that have come before us and given us all these beautiful traditions and our faith and all these things. But also there's some reason like God made us for such a time as this. And so right. what is it that God is calling us to do today? So this is not any of this is in the text. This is all just underneath sure, the so sure. this little girl going like, there's something else I need to do. Yeah. And so I'm not going to spoil the ending, but she does figure out a way to make the world more beautiful. Excellent. Um and yeah. And then the illustrator for the book, Breezy Brookshire, is a beautiful Christian young woman, homeschooled herself and really has this desire and passion to help her art see God everywhere they look. And so yeah. it was so fun to work with her on this book and bring cool. it to life.
1: Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about that. That is uh that's great. And I know the Lord will use that. So, you know, here on the Strategic Families podcast, we love to hear from people. Um parents on the scriptures that most influence their parenting? When you think about the way you and Andrew parent, what scriptures come to mind that you could encourage or challenge our listeners with?
0: You know, one scripture that has been very helpful to me lately is Isaiah 40, 31. Uh, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I think the reason this one speaks so poignantly to us now is that we have two kids off in college yeah. and so there comes a time but this happens earlier this happens when your kids become teens all of a sudden you sl- not all of a sudden slowly over time you realize that this illusion of control you had over your four-year-old really uh, was just an illusion. <laughs> yes. And that like, we actually like, they're their own person. They're their own, they're, yeah. they're an image of God separate from you and that we can pray for them and lead them and guide them. And also we cannot walk their, their path for them. We cannot right. walk their road to heaven with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to be next to them on the journey, but as they go off out into the world, this Isaiah 40, 31 really speaks to me because it emphasizes that hope in the Lord. Like, I know that God loves my children more than I do, which is really hard for me to actually fathom (laughs) how somebody could possibly love them more than I do. Right. But I know he does and that, um, you know, we, we can run and not grow weary. And when, I mean, parenting really feels wearisome, but knowing that we get to rely on that hope. Yeah. That's helpful
1: to me. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Well, as we close, What's the best way for people to follow you and purchase your books and just learn about all that you have going on?
0: Oh, thank you so much. Readaloudrevival.com is the best place to go. That's the website where my books, Teaching from Rest and Read Aloud Family, you'll find both of those there, as well as the podcast and tons of book lists, our favorite books for all different kinds of topics and ages and stages and then you can also find it from there but if you are interested in the new picture book you can go right to a little more beautiful.com to get your hands on that
1: excellent well sarah mckenzie this has been a joy thank you so much for all that you're doing in your ministry to encourage families um, i would just highly endorse this as a very strategic thing to do with your families to build that family culture uh, to share those stories and to put all of that sophisticated language patterns and grammatically correct stuff in their heads and help them become better educated and better storytellers themselves. This is just such a cool idea. And I hope that all of our listeners will take a step in that direction and uh, and follow you and your work. So thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited to listen to some of your back episodes. So thanks. Thanks so much, Graham.
1: Thank you. Wow, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. So thankful for your ministry and what you're doing for families. I love this concept. What an incredibly cool idea. So what do you say, parents? We can do this. What if we watched one fewer TV show per week and read two chapters of a good book instead? I challenge you to give it a try and watch what God does with it in your family. What a wholesome, beneficial activity, and a strategic one, I would add. Okay, so I have been captivated by an album from We the Kingdom. It just came out 2022. So many good songs in this album, but the one that has been stuck in my head is God is on the throne. Fantastic song. I love the opening line. God is on the throne. He reigns forevermore. Just think about it. Just think about it. Wow, how beautiful. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.